If you're new here, you're just visiting, my name's Chris, I'm the pastor here at Venture Church, and I'm so glad you came on a special day, three years. Uh, for me and my family, it's been a five-year journey so far, and it's just amazing just to, to look back at some of those memories. That was just over the last year since, uh, since our, last, our last birthday that we had, which seems like it was just yesterday, three years. You know, we as a church exist to shine the light of Jesus into dark places. That's what, we, that's what we're here for. We say we're church for people who don't like church. But it's so much more than just maybe uh, having a Justin Timberlake song playing in a video at church. Like, it's so much more than that. It's about being out in the community and about shining light and engaging people who otherwise might not be engaged in church. And so I want to start this morning. Uh, let, let me give you a snapshot of what's going to happen right now. You see, like, there's this big, ginormous piece of paper in your seat, and you're like, what in the world? Did I forget to study for a test? I don't know. Uh, we're going to get to that in just a second. Um, so you can just take it and st- stick it on your seat for a second. We're going to kind of have two parts this morning. One, I want to take a second just to celebrate this whole journey that we've been on as a church family for the last three years, uh, particularly where is Venture right now and where are we headed in the future. And then I definitely want to spend some time in the Bible uh, because we love to look to God's uh, word, the Bible, for the answers to life's most important questions. And so as we get going with that, I'd love to just start by taking you a little journey, if you'll join me. Uh, I'd like to take you back to 2013. It was January, and there were about eight or ten people that began to meet weekly in a living room. If you were there, like, we don't call people out and make people, like, uh, stand up at our church often. But I know these people are not going to mind. You, you got a little hand you can stick up if you were there. Because everybody can be like, whoa, it's them. Yeah, if you were in that first year. So that was January 2013. That group uh, came together with the common goal of saying, we want, to be, uh, we want to be a new church in this city. But we specifically want to be a church that can tear down the walls that have kept people away from church and God for too long. And at the demographics of that time of the city said there were 20,000 plus people in the city who didn't uh, claim any type of religion, especially Christianity. And, and so we're like, man, if, that, if that's true, then what do we need to do differently? Because there's churches on every corner. I mean, that means that there needs to be a place for them. And so we said, what if we could tear down the walls that kept people away from church and God so we could do what was most important, build a bridge to Jesus? We started to adopt that idea, and we started to call that idea church for people who don't like church. And the idea was contagious. Within just a few months, we started to grow. Just here and there, a few uh, coming in and coming to our, our, our little house church group and catching on to the vision. And then we began to do things into the community. Before long, uh, we outgrew living rooms and we began renting a space at, at, a, at the Keys Apartments down in Monkey Junction. We were renting their, um, their, uh, their, their party room that they have there, their clubhouse. And, and that was great. And we began to grow. And then we continued to grow. And the, the idea was contagious. And we eventually decided to uh, contact the YMCA. And we got up with them. They let us rent some space over there. Our group began to meet over at the YMCA. We began to serve the YMCA and the children that are there and the different programs that they have going on. Church for people who don't like church started to come to life. We decided to do a big opening Sunday. And it was September 2013. And so we sent a huge mailer out to the uh, surrounding area. Uh, maybe you were one of those people who got one of those pieces of mail. And in September of 2013, we, we had our first big church service kind of like this. Adventure Church was born. And man, it's been an amazing journey since then. We are God-chasing, grace-shaped love agents, and we're shining light in dark places. And I think that it's still growing, and I'm excited to be a part of it. This month marks three years since that day, and three years is a really big deal for a new church. I don't know if you know this. You probably don't spend a lot of time studying uh, new church statistics. Um, it's probably not something you do in your free time after fantasy football, uh, but, but uh, the average church in America, when it begins, within three years, it closes its door. 
Isn't that crazy? In fact, if you've lived in Wilmington for a long time, you might have heard about little churches that started up and they were awesome and then they're not here anymore. And you would think that a church, the church that's over 2,000 years would have some staying power. I mean, let's be honest, most of us have like tennis shoes and jeans that are like, they've lasted longer than three years and you're like, they're still going strong. You're gonna put a patch in it and it's gonna be fine, right? Why is it that this huge institution, this thing ordained by God, the church, has such a hard time flourishing in those early years? I think there's a lot of practical reasons. Uh, some of them are just basic factors, like the fact of being mobile and not having a permanent space to meet in. Those of you who have been a part of our setup team, and we've got two trailers parked outside, and we've got to come in. And there's some fatigue, and there's some wear and tear that goes in that. Am I right? You know? And there's a lot that goes into that. And, and then there's the struggle connected with making your you know, presence known in a new city. How are people supposed to know that we're here? In fact, you've, you're probably someone who wasn't here very early on, but were thought, wow, if I'd have known earlier, I would have been here earlier. And so there is that struggle of getting the word out and people knowing that a group is actually there. There's the struggle of finding and multiplying leadership. Uh, you know, it's great to say, hey, we should have 30 small groups and they should be all over town, but how do you find 30 really good, strong leaders that could help lead a group of people? And so there's that struggle. There's the discouragement that comes when things don't go as planned. I remember in some of the early days, and shoot, even, even today, where we plan an event and be like, me and my family pulled up with the Myers, or if you know the Myers, like they're there. It's like, wow, great. We're just, and there's that discouragement. And so it stands the reason that it would be easy for an early and small group to have a hard time staying alive for very long when the momentum doesn't seem to be there. But you know, these things, though they can be exhausting and though they can be real factors, I think there's an even bigger picture that causes this hard thing. And I think it's this. I think it's because there is a spiritual battle in our world. There's a spiritual fight and there are forces of evil that do not want to see the church prosper. And I'm not just talking about some physical forces in this world. I'm talking about spiritual forces who don't want to see the kingdom of God prosper. And just like a lion, like, like prowling in the tall grass, who are they hunting, the lions? The small, the weak, the vulnerable, the young. And so in new churches, you often see the spiritual struggle of, of, of young pastors and their leaders and the small families that are involved. But I stand here on the stage and we're celebrating our third year and we are going strong. And God has blessed this community. And I want to just spend a second saying thanks to God. Can we just give God praise for what's happening? In the first two years, uh, we used to have a thing uh, called family meetings, and we may still do those from time to time, but a family meeting was something that we scheduled. It was, had, had been on a Sunday afternoon, and so after church services, we say, hey, uh, a Sunday afternoon, we're having a family meeting. Uh, come back, and we want to celebrate some of the things God's been doing and look over the horizon and see what God's got ahead for us, and, uh, and I don't think that was best for our community at, this, at that time. Uh, we, we've learned and we've grown. I think one reason is because, at least me, when I hear the phrase family meeting, it means that somebody's in trouble. Like, that was me growing up. I was like, we're having a family meeting. I was like, shoot, I'm getting grounded. Um, and so I don't know if that's what happened. But what we felt like is what that, the, the things we're talking about this morning are things everybody needs to hear about. We need to be excited about it. And it's just going to grow uh, our excitement for what God is doing as we continue to shine his light. And so uh, we're trying something new this year, this state of venture idea. Uh, much like the President of the United States will give the State of the Union address. I by no means am going to do that. Uh, but uh, it, it's kind of like, hey, this is where we are. Let's take the pulse and see what's the heartbeat of our community and let's see how things are going. 
And so you might have noticed uh, the, the seat cushion you had in your seat, um, this big sheet of paper. Pull that out. You can begin to glance through it. This is one of those times where uh, I see there's a lot of college students here right now. This is when your professor hands you your syllabus and you start reading it and you quit listening to what he says. That's cool if you want to do that. Um, look through this. I'm going to be talking about some things for those of you who are interested because there's a question that a lot of people have when they talk to me about new church work and they're like, how do new churches start? I mean, we look around our city, there's, there's something like 300 cities, churches in our city, and, and it's like they all started at some point. How does that happen? And, and there's a million different ways churches start. Uh, the way that we began, began uh, before we ever had our first meeting, there was a group of people that had been praying about a new movement in Wilmington and had it in their heart and on their minds to start a new church here. And uh, we've begun to call that initial group of people our network partners. Uh, and so I want to kind of introduce a few of those to you. We've got their name, the names of these groups on the screen here. The first group is a group called Stadia. Uh, Stadia is an international church planting organization. Their mission is to see that every child in the world has a church. Uh, uh, and that is a pretty cool mission because for the, 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 the kingdom of God to continue, new generations have to come up and understand it, right? And so their mission is that every child would have a church. And so they plant churches and Stadia... Um, kind of got the ball rolling with me. I came into contact with Stadia back in 2011, uh, and they provide resources and training uh, for, for church planting. And so they were one of the first network partners. There's three others that joined in on that run. The first one is the, uh, the Eastern North Carolina Men's Fellowship. This is a group that's been around for a long time in Eastern North Carolina, and it's groups of churches in the eastern part of our state. And again, their focus is getting new churches started. And so uh, they, they, I, because I was from Eastern North Carolina, had already some uh, involvement with that group, they were involved in this, this vision. Also, there's a group called Waypoint. Uh, in the past, you may have heard us talk about a group called Envision, but they're a lot like Stadia or Men's Fellowship. They're a group that starts um, new churches. Waypoint just recently, Envision just recently rebranded, and they're now called Waypoint. But um, they start churches all in the mid-Atlantic region of the United States of America. Pretty cool, huh? If you didn't know this stuff was happening, you're like, wow, there's groups that actually start churches. Their goals, and then this last group, uh, this, this, also, this is an individual church. They're called Jefferson Christian Church. Jefferson is a church in the western part of the state. They invest $50,000 a year in church planting. Uh, they're a huge church, but they're like, no, we are a church that is going to plant churches. We're not going to keep everything in our doors. We're going to make sure that the message of God is spread uh, through church planting. Um, these four groups came together and they said, we want to have a non-denominational, New Testament, biblical approach to church. Uh, and, and I worked with them and we began uh, a management team. So that kind of goes into the next little phase of how our church started. We began a management team. Uh, and just like any nonprofit, there has to be a board of directors. The Bible doesn't say that the church has to have a board of directors, but Uncle Sam really likes it when we do. Um, and so we kind of came together and we began to form the official stuff, bylaws and then blah, 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 droning. And I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. But we did that kind of stuff and made it official. But these guys were uh, the spearhead in, in uh, pulling me into the project specifically and, and getting Wilmington on the map. And so uh, just to introduce you to some names. So a lot of these guys have been here, and if you've met them, that's great. I did poorly and didn't get their pictures up because I know you'd love to see their beautiful faces. This guy's uh, Neil Allegood. He has um, been involved in church planting and church work for a long time. Uh, he is the chair of our management team and uh, is also the athletic director at Mid-Atlantic Christian University. And so he's, while he's not coaching basketball or organizing soccer schedules, uh, he's working with church work. Uh, great man of God, and he's been a big influence on my life. The next one here, I believe, is, is Chad. 
Chad next, Chad Simpkins. Uh, Chad is a church planter. He planted a church in, in Chapel Hill. He's now the uh, leader of a church in Northern Virginia, uh, and he was on that team. The, the next one is David McCants. Uh, David McCants was a longtime mentor of mine. Since I was a teenager, uh, he's someone I looked up to. He's a church planter. He started Two Rivers Church in uh, New Bern and uh, is still the pastor there and is very involved in, in still mentoring me. He's a, a great man. And, then, and I'm on the team as well. We came together and said, how to, do we make this thing happen? Uh, and, and so these guys are kind of our leadership right now. If you're wondering, like, who's in charge here? Does Chris just make all the calls? Uh, no, I don't. I answer to these guys, and uh, they, they help with things, everything from finances to uh, legal stuff to just vision and dreaming. And so um, that's awesome. The last group of leaders I want to introduce you to is a group that we're just going to call our staff and, and leaders. Um, and uh, so let's just go through those. You, if you've been at Venture Long, you've met these people. And if you haven't, then I hope that you will. Uh, but these are people that really make a lot of our stuff happen. Uh, me, Chris Ward, I'm the pastor. My role here, I was the planter that was on the ground first and began uh, the process of building our community. Uh, and I have day-to-day roles, and, and it's, a, it's my full-time job. I'm the only full-time employee, I guess, of our church. Uh, we've got Aaron, who you saw playing guitar up here earlier. He's our worship pastor. He's part-time with us. These, these other two are part-time as well. Brent and Emily Myers, put both of their names up there. Uh, they're a married couple, and they are powerhouses for just being shining God's light in the world. Uh, Brent serves, his primary role is to work as our children's pastor, and he's back there right now, hanging out with your kids and teaching them about God. And then Emily is his wife, and she's our church admin and so much more, right? Uh, you guys who know Emily are like, yeah, and she also is probably in charge. Um, but uh, so, so we are our staff, and actually these people... The last three, Aaron, Brent, and Emily, they also moved with my family when we first began, and and they were the ones who helped to start just the first house church. And then I have two others. I wish I could name so many other people uh, that are just volunteer leaders, just volunteer leaders. They are volunteer leaders, and they're awesome. Kara Collins is also Aaron's wife, but she leads our host team. And so uh, if you enjoyed having some coffee or some pizza rolls, that was awesome, Uh, or whatever else as you came in and and felt welcome, or you got this awesome pack of papers in your seat, Kara and her team pulls that together each week. And Patrick Harrison, uh, he moved here uh, from farther north in our state. He was was a a pastor at a church and had a secure job there, Uh, but when he saw what God was doing here through Venture, he said, you know, I think I'm feeling called to come there, kind of as a missionary. So Patrick got a job here at this school actually uh, and he is the connection that got us into the school after the fire at the YMCA uh, not only is he uh, kind of our youth minister working with our teenagers um, but he also does a lot of the teaching he preached last week and and just like I said about Emily and I can say about Brent or Aaron also and so much more and so can we just thank this group of people for all that they do to help our church be who it is yeah um, and there are so many more that I wish I could name by name, uh, but I would just miss people and I would have to apologize later. There are small group leaders who week in and week out are just building community. Uh, there are those who are, are, of course, on our volunteer teams who make this area happen every week, all the way back down the hallways. Uh, we think we have over 50 volunteers involved right now. And so all of you, to you, I say thank you. Um, it takes a family to make church happen, Right? Church is family, and if I ever talk about our church, I almost always call us our church family because we, we live together, we grow together, we laugh together, we cry together, we suffer together, we rejoice and we celebrate together. We are family. Um, 
one more team has come together recently, and I kind of want to plug this at the end of this. I'll get out of the, the details and the names after this. Is uh, we've, we've recently wanted to start going more towards a local leadership. When you look at the church being started in the Bible, uh, and each person, we talk a lot about this guy named Paul, the Apostle Paul, and he'd go from city to city, and he'd stay there sometimes for years, establishing a church. But as he would be either leaving that area or, or being there a little bit longer, he wouldn't be the only person doing the leading. No, he would be appointing leaders left and right, some of them just to do physical things like just care for people and go help widows and orphans and help people who need food and things like that. And then there were other groups of leaders, uh, like a group of elders, and elder is, is, a, is, a, is an office of the church that the Bible talks about, and, and it's, a, it's, it's a, a man that's qualified by a certain list of things that, that the apostles had laid out, uh, and they become the spiritual leaders of the church. Uh, over the course of this year, you'll see if you look on the back side of that page in your seat, one of our biggest goals is to start a process for training up local eldership uh, to where this management team we have will kind of begin to fade into the background and they'll just kind of, they they will have done what they came to do and uh, we will appoint those elders and they will begin uh, that process. And another group, again, like uh, we said about a management team or board of directors, uh, is a finance team. You don't see that in the Bible, but it's very practical, mainly because Church leaders have ruined churches' reputations over mismanaging finances, and I ain't trying to have that. Ain't nobody got time for that. Um, and so uh, we found some people within our church who have utmost integrity, reliability, and responsibility. Uh, Brandon Smallwood and Maria Collins, uh, they've been meeting monthly just to look over our finances, and they will be the people who, uh, that, that hold us all accountable to how we spend our money. And are we on vision? Uh, as a, as a uh, church, sometimes I'm hesitant to talk about money a lot. Because I know that that's one thing people have a bad taste in their mouth when it comes to church. So we are deliberate about saying when we talk about money, we want to do it transparently. We want to do it in a healthy way. And we want to do it in a way that's consistent with our vision for shining light in the dark places of this city. And so these, these two help us stay on track with that. As I've already mentioned, you've got, can we thank them actually? Thank you for what you do, Brandon and Maria. Um, Brandon was going to share this morning. He was actually going to share some of the stuff that I'm going to share in a minute. Uh, but his grandmother passed away this week. And so he's up in Kentucky. So be praying for the Smallwood family as they work through that loss. Um, but uh, we're going to trudge on, and, and, I'll, and I'll share what he had in just a second. Uh, as you've seen, you've got this infographic in your seat. What I want to do is open it up and celebrate a few things. So if you grab it out, make that paper shuffling noise that happens when people touch paper. Um, and uh, on the front side, you'll see just um, some statistics, and these are exciting. You saw in that video, man, this year alone, since January, 11 people have given their lives to Jesus in baptism. Can we celebrate that? Yeah, 11. 11. Since we began uh, in, in 2013, 42 people have made that same decision. When you read in the Bible, when people make the decision to become a Christian, The apostles teach, listen, your response to this is to get baptized, to set aside this moment, and then something happens within us. God gives us the gift of his Holy Spirit. He gives us the forgiveness of our sins. It's an amazing thing. And to think that 11 more did that this year. It might be that you look at that and go, I've never been baptized. I would like to do that. Come talk to me after church. We can arrange that. It's still hot outside. We'll use the ocean. It's free. Um, and it's awesome uh, to celebrate that. You'll see some other statistics like way people, ways people are plugging in, whether it's through small groups. I want to celebrate one big thing that happened this year. They're kind of sort toward, towards the middle at the bottom. You'll see it said men's retreat, stronger together. One of my big personal initiatives as, our, as a leader of this church was to unite men this year. I believe that the strongest communities, and this is not a chauvinist or sexist remark, it's just something that you can 
just visually see in, in society, I believe, is that some of the strongest, most uh, strong-knit communities are ones where men are active in their families, right? And so we want to be a community where that's true. And I believe that God's light transforms the lives of men. And so uh, this year we had our first men's retreat, uh, and 25 men gathered together. up at, There's a camp up in Washington, North Carolina that a lot of us love. And we got to go up there. We built the ultimate bonfire. We kept that thing burning for like, how long did we burn it? Brian burned all the woods that there were, they had to plant new trees so we could have fire later. Um, but it was awesome to get those men together. Uh, that's a huge celebration. And as you look through right above that, all these different ways that we served our city. And you might have seen it on the video, but uh, Alderman School, we did a school supply drive here. And we're able to, to provide school supplies, pencils and paper, for students here whose parents just simply couldn't afford it, uh, Vigilant Hope is an organization that works with homeless people and people living in poverty in the downtown area. And we've been involved in serving meals through them. We also have had them here where we sold their, their coffee. They've got like a name brand coffee that they sell and all the proceeds uh, go towards their ministry. Uh, I think it says here, yes, yeah, $600 was raised towards their ministry. For that, we were involved in helping with their new shower truck that they have going on. Our kids support um, they, they bring their offerings to church every week back in our kids' class. And uh, one of their staff members is a missionary who raises support for his livelihood. And our kids support that every month. I think it's $30 a month is what we commit to. And so Vigilant Hope is a way that we serve our city. And on down it goes. I love Bear Foundation. I love their emphasis on foster parenting and adoption. And we've been able to have just kind of some foster care awareness. And uh, we have begun to start... Of, of a wraparound program here, which is, I don't know if you're aware of this, but it's going to be something we talk more and more uh, in time to come. When foster parents uh, bring children and adoptive parents bring children into their home, it's easy to celebrate that for a minute. Yay, yay, they helped some kids out. But the real journey begins that day. When for years and years and years, they end up having this new child in their home, and many times children that have special needs. And so we want to be a church that can help wrap around those families. And, and again, I could go on with other things. I want to celebrate that a couple of weeks ago, we were part of the Back to School Bash uh, near downtown at the Martin Luther King Center, where 2,500 kids received free book bags with school supplies because some of the efforts that we were involved in in the tent that we had there. And so can we just celebrate the love agent that's, that we've been in the city? Thank you for your service. Um, and then as you look over to the right side, you'll see some other charts. And this is the part where some of you, when I'm in a meeting and people pull out spreadsheets, unless I'm in charge of that meeting and I'm talking about the spreadsheets, I start to kind of, things get fuzzy. Uh, that's cool again. But those of you who care, there's some things there about attendance and about finances. And I just want to highlight the finances because one of our biggest principles in finances is that we want to be a place of transparency. I want to start with this. If you're new here, if this is your first time, we don't do this every week. We don't talk about finances in detail every week, but we are a family. And I know that many of us have sat around our kitchen table with our family and been like, sorry, we can't go to Disney World because we're out of money, right? And so that, if you're family, you talk about money. Um, and so if you want to take a look at that chart that's right there, the pie chart, you'll see the different categories of spending we have there. And all those could be, if you're curious, you could feel free to uh, talk to me. I could point you to one of our finance team members, and they could talk about that some. But you'll see, first of all, we've got a section for staff. We have the one full-time staff, myself, and the other that are part-time. Uh, and that is the majority of our spending, just because of the nature of how much money we have as a congregation. Um, but those of us on staff were responsible for the day-to-day -day running and organization of our church. Uh, we have operational expenses. This is things like our children's and youth, youth ministries and the curriculum that we purchase for them and the supplies that the teachers need and all the exciting stuff that we have back there and, and equipment and things like that. We've got the section for outreach and marketing. Uh, and that's an important 
part of what we do because, like I said, we, people need to know uh, that we exist. And so we've got signs that we've printed and we've done uh, ads on Facebook and Google and things like that. And, and there's more that goes be, beyond that. Uh, facilities is another big category. And you'll see, you know, they, this, the state doesn't let us have this building for free, right? So we rent it here uh, and, and other things involving facilities. That's exactly what it sounds like. The thing I wanted to get to was missions. It's probably my favorite category on this thing. And as you'll see, uh, we set apart and we give away 10% of our local offering to missions. Now, because we want to be a church that is true to what we teach, and one thing I believe is that uh, we should be faithful with our money individually, like me and my family. We should be faithful with our money, and we should invest our money in what God's kingdom is all about. So as a church, we use the principle of the tithe. You might not have known that. 10%, that's what a tithe is. And so we say 10% of our local offering is going to go back into other ministry. It doesn't stay here. The majority of that each month is involved in church planting. Uh, You might remember Roger Burns, who has been here recently a couple times to speak. And we've talked about him starting a new church in Jacksonville. And we want to be really involved in that. And so through our uh, regular monthly uh, gifts to Waypoint, which uh, Roger's a part of, Roger received some funding through that, and we can continue to multiply our influence throughout the world and shine light in dark places. Uh, and I just love to see that as a church, I want to set our DNA to a place where we are always giving, where we're always generous, where we're more generous than we are selfish, and where when it comes to us have something versus someone else hearing about the love of Jesus, that we always say them first. And so... Um, that's the expenses, and so just like uh, anything, there's expenses, and then there's income. If you're curious, how do we stay afloat as a church, and you see the numbers there, like how's that even possible? Uh, I mentioned our outside network earlier, the partners. In addition to those four, there are about 10 other churches that support us monthly, um, and, and so we have finances coming in from them, and individuals, about 20 individuals that don't live in Wilmington, they're a part of that, and because the vision of what we do here, they're excited about, and uh, so about 40% of what we spend comes from outside of here. And uh, so I, I'm so thankful. If you ever just want to thank somebody, uh, and you're like, I just want to thank somebody, but I don't know who, come to me, and I'll give you the names of some people you can write thank you notes to. Um, thank you for helping our church be here. Maybe your small group wants to do that. That's a fantastic idea. Come talk to me about it. Um, but increasingly, as our church grows, what we're seeing is that our local offerings are carrying for more and more of our needs. I want to celebrate, guys, that we as a church are at 60 plus percent self-supported. That's a big deal. And I don't know if you want to clap for that, but I do. That's a really big thing. Um, and, uh, and as we continue to grow, uh, you, you've got to know that as we continue to be a part of planting new churches, we will eventually need to get to a place where we're 100% self-supported so that we can do even more shining light and even more ministry. And so I just want to take a second to speak specifically to those of you who are Venture Church regulars. If you're here every week and this is your family and you love the, the way that we present Jesus and maybe the, the change that's happened in your life and you want to see that happen for other people, I want to encourage you to make sure that you're a part of supporting financially what we do here. Uh, because it's, it's huge. And it's not going to happen without you. And it's not going to happen without me. We're all going to be a part of this together. And so if you're not already uh, financially invested in our church, consider it. And, and this is why. Because I believe that when we trust God with our money, he answers in a huge way. I use this in my own family. We, we, uh, we try to be as generous as possible with our money. And, uh, and I, I don't share my own personal information like that because that's not the way you're supposed to do it. Um, but, but what I'll say is this, that anytime we have been sacrificial and being generous, God has always shown up. He's always blessed us. And he's always shown us exactly what we needed to see. And here's what I've learned, is that God can do so much more for me with the 90% that I have left when I've given 10 to his work than I could have ever done with the 100%. You can't outgive God. He always blesses. He always takes care. And if you're growing in your faith and you're looking for a place to like really trust God, 
I'm going to give you a challenge that I've given a lot, and it surprises people. First, I want to encourage you to involve yourself financially in ministry. But this is what surprises people. If you're skeptical and cynical about supporting church because you're like, nah, I'm pretty sure church is a scam, don't feel like you have to do it here. Because I don't want you to miss out on the blessing that comes from trusting God. If you want to know about a, a good Jesus-centered organization that you can give to, I've looked at a few, Vigilant Hope and some others in town, or come talk to me. It won't hurt my feelings. I want you to know that you can trust God with your money. And if you love what God's doing through our community, of course, uh, you can invest here because we love to see people's lives change when God's light shines into it. And so that's the financial portion. That's the stuff that Brian, Brandon was going to share. I'm sure he's really disappointed that he didn't get to do that. Um, but uh, we're a church where people at all kinds of different growth places in their faith you might be here for the first time and you know i think this is a cool day for you to be here because you can be here and be like okay i know what i'm getting into <laughs> i know who these people are i know what they're about i'm glad you came and i hope that you'll come back again and you might be here and you've been here for a long time and you're asking yourself how can i do more how can i make this continue here's what i want to encourage you to do start somewhere whether it's in giving, uh, we talked about giving, but I'm talking beyond that. Start somewhere. Get involved in a small group. We've got sign-ups today that I'll talk about in a minute. Uh, get involved in one of our volunteer teams. Uh, get involved in, in asking questions. Maybe you've got a lot of questions about God. Ask those questions. We have a class coming up on September 25th called Venture Basics, where we talk about who is God, who is Jesus, would a logical person even believe in Jesus? Is the Bible reliable, and how could we even know that? And what does it mean to be a Christian at, at all? Like, what, how does that affect my life? I want to encourage you. Maybe that's where you need to begin. Uh, September 25th, we'll be having those classes at a, uh, a facility right up the street here. Um, and so take this home with you, this, this graphic. Uh, put it on your refrigerator. Be praying for our church. Um, if you've got questions or anything, uh, feel free to come and ask me. You can ask Aaron. Really, probably anybody that was on the stage could point you towards someone that could answer your questions. Uh, I want to praise God and thank you guys for what you're allowing him to do through you. And one last time, can we just celebrate? Yeah. And that is the state of venture. And I'm excited. And we're beginning, we're standing on the threshold of the fourth year. And I have a dream of one day when I am old and decrepit and will not be able to stand on a stage and can't understand the technology and all this stuff. And I know some of you are like, I know. <laughs> um, and I'll be just like you. And, but I know that I'll be in this place. What's that mean? I didn't mean, I was trying to be funny and it seemed mean. Um, I, lo I love old people. Um, I want to I see a day when, when, I, when I'm beyond whatever prime God ha has for me where I can sit and go, Venture Church is still happening. And I don't know what it'll look like, and I don't care because I trust that God is leading this church, not me, not you, but his Holy Spirit is leading our church, and, and I want to follow that wherever it goes. And so that is, that is where we're headed, uh, and, that, and that is what we're looking at. Um, as we look over the horizon, there are so many big things that we could celebrate. And there, there's some of those things, I will mention them. Uh, I meant to mention them just a second ago. Um, dreaming big. I mean, where, where are we headed? What's, what's over the horizon for us? Uh, well, I mentioned financial self-sufficiency. That's huge. Number two, local leadership. I mentioned that. To have a group of local eldership who, could, who I could lean on or who could eventually say, hey, you know what? Uh, we've got a different role for you, Chris. I think that maybe someone else would do better at that. And I'd be like, great. If we're following where God's leading, that's great. Whatever that is, local leadership to do that. Uh, this is something that a lot of you have wondered about. Number three, common space or a usable meeting space like oh it's cool to be at the y, at the y or at the school but like how long are we going to do this um 
First of all, I believe it's essential to our vision right now that we don't have a building. I think it's awesome. So many of you have told me, like, if you were in, like, an established building that looked like a church, I probably would have never gone. And we're learning from that. And so as, if we get to, when we get to a place where we have a permanent facility, um, you know, we're going to use all that input that you guys have. Uh, but yes, we want to have a place that we can call home. Not though so we can have a big steeple so we can like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, we got a steeple. Because for one, I don't think we don't, we don't need a steeple. I don't know what service they provide. Unless we have bells, because bells are awesome. Um, can we get bells? I don't know. Maria and Brandon, you need to talk about that. Um, but more so so that we can have a, a, a foothold in the community, an anchoring spot where people can go, that's where I go to connect with Venture Church. And so whether it begins with office spaces where we can have classrooms and when our youth group can meet and where our band can practice, just so you know, our band practices at Borrowed Space all the time, different places, um, and, and the youth group meets at people's houses, and it'd be great to have, wouldn't it be great to have a space where they could just do that, where your small group could meet or have a dinner, or whether it, 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 it becomes eventually what I think we all hope for, a, a larger space where we could also do our Sunday morning thing and give our trailers to another young church who needs them. Um, and uh, this, yes, that's on the horizon. And so as we find our finances securing ourselves and decide, okay, when do we take this step of trusting God? Are we just going to do this thing? Um, those, those wheels are turning already if you're curious and we want to be in that place. And then the fourth one there, we want to be a church who plants churches. And our first step with that is just being involved in groups like Waypoint and Stadia and, and helping Roger. But I would love to be the church that gives $50,000 a year to new churches. What? That would be awesome. And so um, this, this is dreaming big, and, but I don't think it's too big for God, right? we got a big God. He's capable of doing more than we could ever think or imagine. That's in the book of Ephesians. Um, so that's the state of venture. Uh, looking at some of the stuff we talked about this morning, it's been kind of looking, like looking at an old photo album. Uh, you remember photo albums? Like, I, I don't think they're really in vogue anymore. Um, so, but <laughs> the people print pictures, like I, we do occasionally. Uh, but remember photo albums? Like they were a staple in your grandma's living room, right? And in our living room, we got photo albums. We love them. And because we print these things off, and they used to have those, like, sticky pages with the, like, toxic glue that smelled really bad. And they ruined your pictures, but you didn't care because you at least got to remember Christmas. And so you're going back, and you look at these photo albums because they freeze these moments in history. And you'll never forget Dad's ridiculous, you know, mustache or, like, whatever. That's literally a memory from my childhood looking at it. I'm like, Dad, why did you do that with your mustache? Um, and, and the ridiculously short shorts he had on and things like that. Um, <laughs> But those memories are locked in, 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 in time. And we go back, and it's great to celebrate those memories. Um, and more and more, even as, as these, these albums are moving to a digital fashion, these pictures, they sit. It's important to take time and remember. But there are these feelings when we look at pictures and we have memories. And it's this feeling you might have about like high school or college. And you're like, those were the days, right? The golden years. And you dream about those days. And you're like, it's never going to get any. The, the thing about a photo album is that we often get, often get nostalgic about the moment in the past. And we feel like maybe the prime has passed. Like there are some things where prime has passed. Like the VHS player, right? Blockbuster video. These are things that like, they were the deal at one point. But the time has gone for them. The church often has been portrayed that way. Remember the golden days of the church? Remember when everybody on your block went to church together? Remember when it was, we were sending so many missionaries to China and to India and all these places, and those were the golden days. Ah, oh, let's get in a rocking chair and let's get a cup of coffee and let's remember the good days. But I want to tell you something. The church's history is not just a photo album that has the best days behind it. No, the living God is powering the church, and the best days are yet to come. Greater still are things to come. 
When I look at our church family, uh, what I want to do is always take the time to look through the photo albums. I want to have these days, whether it's state adventure or family meetings or whatever we invent later. And, and I want, but I want to I firmly grasp that photo album. I want to set it back on the shelf for later. And I want to tip my eyes up. Because what I want to do is I want to be looking out a window. I want to see what's next. I want to see what's ahead. I want to see where we're heading. Because those are these moments in your life, like the first day of school when you showed up and your eraser was still all nice and square and wasn't all dirty and, and down to the metal part. Like it was fresh, right? And the sky is the limit. I can do anything. It's your first day of vacation when you're like, finally we're here. And you lay down in that hotel bed and you're like, oh, I can't wait to go lay in the lazy river on that tube. And it's all ahead of you still. And I believe we can approach church that way every single day. The Bible says that God's mercies are new every morning. That we are a new creation and the best days of venture are still ahead of us. You know, I never wanted to be the pastor of a church. I didn't. I, I'm not shy about it. I never, I never did. Uh, some of you know my story. If you don't, let me just give you a quick little, little snippet. Uh, my dad uh, is a pastor. So I grew up as, as a PC, preacher's kid, pastor's kid. Uh, and so I, was, I, was, uh, I got to apologize to you for anything my kids may have done that I didn't know about, right? I'm, I'm that kid. And, but not only that, my, my dad's dad was a preacher. Yeah. Not only that, my mom's dad was also a preacher. Yeah, so growing up, people were like, oh, little preacher boy, you're going to grow up and go be a preacher. You know what I said? No, I'm not going to be a preacher. I kicked against it. I didn't want to do it. And, and for all of my life, I pursued everything else uh, as, a, as a young man. I, and, and I was a musician. I was like, I'm going to be a rock star. Like, straight up, you try to stop me. Like, I will be the dude living in a van down by the river. I'm going to play this guitar until it breaks. That's my life goal. Why? Not because I love music, but because I don't want to be a preacher. Because <laughs> like, somebody's got to break this trend sometime. But here's what I realized. Something happened in me. God changed me. His light shined into my life. And there was a day, and I was a young man. I was 18 years old. But I was, uh, there was a moment. I remember the moment. I told many of you about it. But I was in this moment. I was at a summer camp. And I, and I learned in that moment that God had a plan for me. And no matter how far and hard I pushed against it, I, it, it, I, I wasn't going to get away from it. And it was that God had told me, you've got to tell people about what I've done for your family and for your life. And the fact that your whole family knows about Jesus is a good thing, not a bad thing. And I want you to help other people establish families like that. And so I was like, I'm going to stick it to God. I'm not going to be a preacher. I'm going to be a youth minister. <laughs> so for 10 years, I was in youth ministry. But you know what I did? God used me. And he was able to teach uh, people through the things I said. And I learned, okay, I guess I'm going to do this. But even, even in this moment, coming to Wilmington, I said, I do not want to be the pastor of a church. It's not on my radar. And something shifted in me when I, when I realized something. And it was this sentence. I, I think it was about six or, years ago or so I realized this. And it's a sentence that I think maybe you can even adopt in your life. I'm not going just to be a pastor at a church. I'm going to be a missionary to a city. And something changed for me in that. Because all of a sudden the, the church politics and the living life in a fishbowl and the ugly underbelly of some things that Christians have done. All of a sudden none of that was my problem anymore because I realized that when God wants to use your life he just wants to use your life and he says I want you to go to this city and I want you to be a missionary and I want you to teach other people to do the same thing and what does that mean missionary sounds crazy like do I have to get on a plane and move to the deepest darkest parts of Africa or China or like is that what no it means taking the influence you have and shining Jesus's light through that into the darkness around you whether it's into other people's lives whether it's in other people's families whether it's at your job or what I want to shine the light of Jesus in the dark places in the people's lives so that they could experience his love 
and his forgiveness and his grace, the things that I had experienced in my life, and have their lives changed the way that my life was changed. And so as we stand on the front stoop of, of the fourth year of our church's existence, I'm so excited. Because what I see are the best days are yet to come. Something happens when people's lives encounter the light of Jesus. Jesus was teaching once, and we can read about it in the book of John, which is, John is a biography about the life of Jesus and his teachings, and so John is in the New Testament. Uh, We're going to be looking at a couple little verses. You can feel free to look them up, but they're very short, and they're going to just be on the screen behind me, and so, but I'm going to be in John and in 1 John, if you want to kind of get there, but I'm in John chapter 8 and verse 12, and this is what Jesus said, something so powerful, I found to be so true. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is always talking about light and darkness in the Bible, and it's a simple metaphor, and everybody can understand it. And you know why? Because we've all experienced day and night. And so we understand the difference. Without the sun, there would be no life as we know it. You realize that? I won't get into all the biology of it, but you realize like photosynthesis and plants and everything. All life, even nocturnal creatures, rely on the sun for their food source and for life. And Jesus says that he is the light of the world. He also says that he is the life of the world. He restores brokenness. He fixes shame. He gets rid of guilt. That's how he brings life. These are things that hurt us and make us feel dead. But not only that does he make us feel, uh, you know, somewhat whole and, 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 and ready to go in this world. He gives us life spiritually. Like he takes our soul that because of sin we're separated from God. But he says, no, I can fix that. Jesus is the light. Light exposes darkness. There's this, there's this classic story, you know, of the kid who's scared because there's a monster uh, in his closet, right? And he's, mom, mom, there's a monster in my closet. And what does mom do? And she comes and turns the light on. She brings her flashlight. And she shines it in there and finds out it's really just like a teddy bear with a tutu on and holding an umbrella. And you're like, it's not a monster. I don't know why the teddy bear is wearing the tutu. But it's not a monster, right? Light exposes darkness. And what is that? It's called truth. When you expose a lie for what it is, the only thing you discover is truth. This same guy, John, that we just read from, uh, from John earlier, we're going to go uh, earlier to his book in John. John chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. Listen to how he describes Jesus. He says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. What does church change people's lives? Because it exposes lies. It shines in darkness. You might not be living in a crack house somewhere and like living in, at the bottom of the gutter, gutter and like that's not in your life. You're like, well, I'm not that bad. But what's crazy is when we experience real truth, we recognize where our failures are. You're like, you know what? I never kill anybody, but I'm, I'm a liar. <laughs> Straight up. I just lie to people all the time. Can't come to work today. I'm <laughs> sick, right? Light exposes darkness. Truth delivers us from lies. The Apostle John uh, probably talks about light and darkness more than anybody else in the Bible. Uh, And I think that it's because he knew Jesus personally. Probably better than almost anyone else who ever lived on the earth. He was one of Jesus' best friends. Uh, Jesus was his personal mentor. He was in part of a group called the Inner Circle. And so there were these three guys, guys, Peter, James, and John. And they were always with Jesus when Jesus was on earth. And the thing about John that you've got to understand, and the reason I think he really loves this light and dark thing, is to know John before he met Jesus. Before he met Jesus, John was a nobody. 
He was an uneducated fisherman, and, uh, and he was, his whole prospects for life was to inherit his father's fishing business. Nothing wrong with that. There's good business and fishing and all that stuff. The point that I'm making is he was just kind of not going to be famous. He was not going to be big and influential. He would catch a lot of fish and sell a lot of fish and make his daddy proud. And that's a good goal in life. But Jesus did something with him. Another thing that we know about John is that John had an attitude problem. John was also extremely racist. There's a story in the Bible where he's like looking at this village and, he, and they're not like him. And he's like, you know what? We should just call, call down God, fire from heaven, destroy those people. He's like, why? Because they're not like me. I'd be more patient with my people, but not them. He was also pretty selfish. There's a conversation with John and Jesus. And he's like, listen, I think uh, in this whole kingdom thing you're building, here's what I got in mind. Uh, I'll be the most important. Okay, so why don't you put me like, put me at the king throne as you, and then I'll be right there right next to you. Right, and this is John. And so what is John? Uh, just like the rest of us, <laughs> right? He's just a normal person. What does Jesus do with him? He pulls him out of obscurity. He pulls him out of his brokenness. He shines light into this man's life. He teaches him the principles of love and of grace and of peace and of righteousness and of holiness. And he changes this man's life. Then John becomes one of the most influential people to have ever lived. Fishermen from the middle of nowhere. Why? Light shined in dark places. That's the power of Jesus' light. And so no, no, mistake, no, no uh, surprise to me that John talks so much about light and darkness because I think that's got to be how he saw his life. He's like, someone turned the light on. <laughs> and I can see now. He says later in a book that we call First John. It's different than the book of John. It's later in the Bible. It's shorter and it's just a letter. Um, and he says in First John Chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, This is the message we have heard from him, talking about Jesus. We heard this from Jesus, that God is light. And in him and God, there's no darkness at all. In fact, if we claim to have fellowship with God, yet we still walk in darkness, we lie. The amazing thing about Jesus is that he can put us into contact with a relationship with God. It exposes our darkness. We know where we've gone wrong, but... We have the opportunity to then walk in truth. We don't have to live in lies anymore. Verse 7. But if we walk in light, as he is in the light, listen to, listen to the benefit of the light of Jesus. We have fellowship with one another, church family. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Have you messed up? Have you made mistakes? Have you had darkness in your life? Yeah, you have. We all have. I have. But when we come into contact of the light and the truth of Jesus, it says it purifies us from all sin because of what Jesus did. Venture Church exists to shine light in the dark places and, and, and in this city and in the world beyond. Why? Because when you've encountered the light of Jesus, your life changes and you can't help but want to reflect that back into the world. And that's what we're here to do. Shine light in dark places. As we wrap up, I just want to give us three things we can take home with us. Um, and, and, and like, how, how can we shine light? How can you shine light? Um, I'm going to use our name, Venture. Um, it's kind of one of the kind of things we use if you've been to our Venture in 10 thing that we do after church a lot. It's 10 minutes where you kind of get to know where Venture came from. We use this three-part formula to help people learn how to take next steps with Venture. And so this is, this is how it goes. Um, the first one is this, that we can venture up. We can venture up. How do you shine the light? Well, it starts with venturing up. You connect with God. 
Because we can't shine and reflect his light unless we experience it, unless we grow in it. There's lots of ways to do that. You can venture up, and that, that's like worship. It's reading his Bible. It's things like that. You can be a part of a small group. You can, you can read Bible on your own. You can have a little a study with somebody. That's, that's all great. But as a group, here's one of the things that we always want to encourage. Venture up by connecting with God on Sunday morning. Come to church here. There's a trend in America right now. I meet with pastors all the time from just different denominational groups and all kinds of things. This is the trend that we're seeing. Is that on average, I think most church attenders come about once every six weeks. And, and there was a time when it was every single week, and now it's once every six weeks. And we're totally not a guilt and shame place, and we're also saved by God's grace, like we're not saved by church attendance. But you know what you miss out on when you miss church every week? You miss up on the chance to venture up. You miss out on the chance to be filled with what God has for you that day and for that week. And I want to say one thing, please. This is me. I'm a parent, and I've got a huge heart for this. If you're a parent, every time you miss church, I want you to think of it this way. Your kids miss church. They can't make that up on a podcast. They miss the fellowship with their friends back there and the things that they're learning. And so we as a church, we've got to be a church that's venturing up because we can't do it. We don't have the answers ourselves. Let's be together on Sundays when we can. And let's be together in small group. Let's be together in fellowship with each other, whether it's just in the city or with a coworker. They might not go to church here. That's fine. But just say, hey, listen, I want to have some time when we talk about what God's doing in my life. Venture up. That's one way we can be filled with God's light. The second thing is venture in. And this is about diving into community. Uh, the first one is, is loving God. The second one is loving people, uh, which if you know about Jesus' teaching, he says these are the two greatest commandments, love God and love others as yourself. And so venture in is about saying, look, I'm, I'm not going to hold these walls up anymore. I'm going to try to get into someone else's life. Again, we mentioned small groups, and, and I do want to encourage you as you leave, stop by that table. Uh, there's about eight small groups uh, that you can read about. They meet every week. We're going to be signing up for a few weeks, and, and um, you, if you sign up there with your email address, someone will email you with more details, and you can stay in contact. It's the greatest way to venture in. Uh, it's the greatest way to build some community here, and there's different levels of things back there. Please check that out. Uh, venture in. I want to encourage you to involve yourself in other people's lives. Because in doing so, that light kind of multiplies. It's exponential, and it begins to grow, and it begins to glow. Venture up, venture in. And the last one, we ventured up, we venture in, and it's this last one, venture out, that is about shining. Because if you've ever had a flashlight with a weak battery, it doesn't matter how much you point it at the darkness, it's just still got a dead battery. And so those first two are about getting new batteries, you know, or recharging or whatever metaphor you want to use. But this last one is, is why we say we're love agents. We want to shine the light of God into people's lives. It can be deliberately. It can be through side small things like we did uh, our Love Agent Week a few weeks ago. We we're like, hey, let's do a random act of kindness and just do it without expecting them to even know that you did it. But as you continue to do all levels of shining out what God's done in your life, let me tell you the easiest way to shine what God's done in your life. you got a story, right? Once upon a time, fill in the blank, and then today's date is, is where you are now. Okay, that's your story. What has God done in your story? I mean, if God's moving in your life, all you got to do, you don't have to tell people about, you don't have to talk about evolution, you don't have to talk about, uh, you don't talk about any, any other big political issue. All you got to say is, look, man, I, I see what you're going through. You know, you know what's been really helpful for me? Man, just my relationship with God, learning about Jesus. And no one's going to be like, oh, shut up talking about your life. <laughs> and that's, that's crazy. You're not beating them with a Bible. You're just telling them what God's done in your life. And also just by loving them, by serving them and doing things to let them know that they're loved. Um, venture up, venture in, venture out. And I think by doing this, we can be God-chasing, grace-shaped love agents, shining light in dark places for many, many years to come. I just want to pray for our church family right now. Let's pray. God, you are good, so good.
And Lord, as we just um, move on to this, this fourth year as a church, I just ask that you give us the wisdom and the guidance to move on. Lord, I pray for those who are here for the first time, uh, who kind of stepped in on a, on, a, on a different Sunday, that they can be encouraged, that know that there's a pe- group of people here who are all about um, just life change. That's what we're for. Um, and life change through your light. Help us to be true to our claim to shine light in dark places. Help us to um, not go in haphazardly by our own power, but only by the power of your Holy Spirit and your truth and your love. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.